we are repentant. We are grateful. We are redeemed. We are prayerful. We are First Baptist Church. You know, you always have to be careful when preachers say, I'm going to try not to preach. Uh, that's very, uh, you know, it's noble, but it's very difficult. We need to be delivered from that. Amen. Um, but I want to say it is a privilege and an honor to be here this morning. Um, I'm very grateful to Pastor Danny, to Pastor Chris, and you um, for us to be able to come together as a body of believers, right? The, the Word of God says that in Christ there's neither Jew nor Greek, bond nor free. We are truly all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. So what I want to do is, uh, Pastor, I want, I'm going to jump right into this um, to be very uh, be mindful of the time. Amen. I want to jump right into this. Romans 14, verse 17, um, is the text that uh, Pastor Dennis shared with me. You've been talking about here um, the Holy Spirit, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, what he does in our life. Um, and uh, so I want to read this text really quickly. And then we're going to we'll jump right into the word of God. I've been spending <clears throat> quite a uh, the last couple of weeks just really meditating, praying uh, what I say, praying myself hot and thinking myself clear uh, to be able to hear from the Holy Spirit and what he has to say to us today. Romans 14, verse 17, it says here, um, for the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by man. He's acceptable to God and approved by man. Holy Spirit, help us now. Give us ears to hear and heart to receive. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight today. For you are my rock and my redeemer. Bless your people now in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Now, there, there, there are many roads that um, we could take today to, to really arrive at what I feel is the destination, the purpose behind today's word. Um, but I really believe that this morning what I'm going to share is the best route to get us there or what the Holy Spirit is actually giving to me. Um, I've shared this thought with our congregation um, actually just last week. Uh, and then I'll give you what the, what the title I want to have for today's word. Uh, but I shared this thought with our congregation just last week. And I shared with them that, that as a father, I love it when my kids do something right more than when they don't do something wrong. I want you to think about that statement. As a father, I love it when my kids do something right more than I do when they don't do something wrong. As a matter of fact, I don't want them spending their whole life not trying to do the wrong things. But rather, I want them to spend every day of their lives doing that which is right. And I've discovered that in my, my walk with the Lord and just my time in the word of God, I've discovered that it's possible to live our entire church life following all the rules and still failing to follow Jesus. As a matter of fact, in Matthew 19, we have an example of this. Here's the rich young ruler, and uh, he comes to Jesus and he says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him a list of commandments. And then around in verse 20, he says to Jesus, all these things I've kept since my youth. 
what do I still lack? In other words, what am I still missing? What am I missing that has me feeling like I'm still coming up short as someone who's devoted to God? In other words, he's following all the rules. But Jesus said, this one thing you lack, sell all that you have and follow me. He was following all the rules, but he was failing at following Jesus. If we want to get it right, the one thing we're going to have to do is we must grow up into him. Now stay with me because you're going to see how this ties into the ministry and the work of the Holy Spirit. If we're going to grow up into him, because that's what we have to do. That's what the word of God tells us, and you'll see this in a minute. We, if we're going to grow up into him, then we have to understand what it means to be led by the Spirit of God. And also understand why it's so important for us to submit to his leadership. I want you to look at Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 14. Romans, the eighth chapter, verse 14. I'm going to read the opening portion of this uh, from the amplified version. Romans 8, verse 14. And this is what it says. For all who are allowing themselves... To be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For all who are allowing themselves to be led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. Verse 15 says, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading again to fear of God's judgment, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, the spirit producing sonship, by which we joyfully cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies and confirms together with our spirit, assuring us that we believers are children of God. And if we are his children, then we are his heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, sharing his spiritual blessing and inheritance. If indeed we share his suffering so that we may also share in his glory. For I have considered that from the standpoint of faith, that the sufferings of this present life are not worthy to be compared to the glory that is about to be revealed in us. This is the focal point. For even the whole creation, all nature waits eagerly for the children of God to be revealed. For all of creation is eagerly waiting for the children of God to be revealed. One translation says, or the word earnest there, it says, for the earnest expectation, all of creation is eagerly waiting for the coming, the revealing, the appearing of what the text says, the sons of God. Now, in this particular passage of scripture, there's a, uh, there's a difference, or, or Paul's differentiating between one word that is weos in the Greek and another one that is technon. Technon stands for just a child um, that doesn't necessarily have the maturity. It's just a child, one who belongs to God in this case. But the word weos here indicates a different level of maturity. Okay? Technon immaturity, weos maturity. And so it's the maturing here that Paul is speaking of. The maturing is all about manifestation of sonship. 
It's one thing to be a child of God. It's another thing to mature as a son of God. Why? Because all of creation is waiting for us to mature to a point where we can demonstrate God's glory in the earth, that we can reveal what it really means to belong to God. The Holy Spirit leads us in the maturity of God. His intentions for us, sorry, his intentions for us is one of maturity. He leads us up into the fullness of Christ and his maturity. It's what Paul means when he tells the church that he travails with labor pains until Christ be formed in us. This is the work of the Holy Spirit. It's the sanctifying work of the Holy Spirit using the office of what we refer to as the fivefold ministry to perfect or mature the saints for the work of the ministry. Now I want you to go with me to Ephesians 4, verse, starting at verse 11. I want to read this to verse 16, Ephesians 4, verse 11. And I'm going to read it again from the Amplified, and you'll see why we're going here in a minute. It says, And his gifts to the church were varied, and he himself appointed some apostles, special messengers, representatives, some prophets, who speak a new message from God to the people, some evangelists who spread the good news of salvation, and some pastors, teachers to, to shepherd and guide and instruct. And he did this to fully equip and to perfect the saints, God's people, for works of service, to build up the body of Christ, the church, until we all reach oneness in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, growing spiritually to become mature Believers reaching the measure of the fullness of Christ, manifesting his spiritual completeness and exercising our spiritual gifts in unity so that we are no longer children, technon, spiritually immature, tossed back and forth like ships on a stormy sea and carried about by every wind of shifting doctrine, by the cunning and trickery and scrupulousness of men by the deceitful scheming of people ready to do anything for personal profit. But speak the truth in love in all things, both our speech and our lives expressing his truth. Here it is. Let us grow up into, or let us grow up in all things into him following his example, who is the head, Christ. We are to be perfected or matured so that we can follow his example. And this is the work of the Holy Spirit. Now, what is the work of the ministry for the church? Well, it's to be the salt, light of the world, to be agents of change, vessels filled and led by the Holy Spirit to preach the gospel of Christ and to teach the things concerning his kingdom. To allow all men to see our good works, Jesus says, that they may glorify our Father which is in heaven. Because this is what all of creation is waiting for, for us to mature into our purpose, to fulfill the very things that Christ has ordained for us to be and to do. This is what the Holy Spirit comes to work in all of us. He is here 
not to just keep us from doing the wrong things, but to also lead us into the right things. He remains fully engaged in his assignment from Jesus. Matter of fact, Jesus said in John 16, the 16th chapter, he says that when the Holy Spirit comes, he will take all the things that belong to me and he will reveal them unto you. He will lead and guide you, what? Into all truth. And this even stands true when it comes to our mission and our mandate. And here's the proof. Isaiah 61. I'm going to read this. Isaiah 61, verse 1. One through four. Watch this. Listen to what Jesus says. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is the Holy Spirit. Because, why? Because the Lord has anointed me and commissioned me to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. The Holy Spirit is upon me. Jesus says to bring good news to the humble and afflicted. He's upon me because he has sent me to bind up the wounds of the brokenhearted. He's upon me because he, he sent me to proclaim the release from confinement and condemnation to, to the physical and spiritual captives and free to prisoners. He's, a, he's upon me to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord. This is the year of Jubilee, the year of God's release. He says, he's upon me to comfort all who mourn. The Holy Spirit's upon me to grant to those who mourn in Zion the following, to give them uh, beauty for ashes, one says. Here's this, uh, instead of dust on their heads, a sign of mourning. To, the, the oil of joy instead of mourning. The garment of praise instead of a disheartened spirit. He's upon me so that we might be called the trees of righteousness, the text says. Strong and magnificent, distinguished from integrity, justice and right. Standing with God. The planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. He is on me that I might be, become the planting of the Lord. A righteous tree that others can come and pull from. To eat from. He says, then they will rebuild the ancient ruins and they will raise up and restore former desolations. And they will renew the ruined cities. In other words, he's upon me to bring about restoration. And the manifestation of God's purpose and plan for our lives. Now it's important to note that Isaiah 61, this scripture here, as well as the reference that Jesus shared in Luke 4, follows a discussion from, from, uh, that God had with Israel in Isaiah 58. Where Israel was asking God, how come he's not noticing our fasting and our prayer? He says, how come you're not responding to our outward actions or our religious movements or rituals? In other words, in Isaiah 58, the Lord tells Isaiah the prophet, he says, cry aloud, say this to Israel. You're fasting, you're praying, and you want to know why I'm not responding. They were looking for a response from God. They were looking to provoke a response from God, seeking his approval due to their religious practices. 
They were asking the question, will our active practices of the tools that you've given us, such as fasting and prayer alone, will that release the kingdom of heaven on earth? We're going through the motions of fasting and prayer. Will this not gain your approval for immediate response on our behalf? Where am I going with this? Well, this is where we must come to understand. Just because we turn to 2 Chronicles, I think it's the 7th chapter, where we always say when we respond to situations and we turn to God in fasting and prayer, and we say, Lord, your word says, if my people that are called by your name will humble themselves and pray. But what we often miss in this text is the next statement. It says, and turn from their wicked ways. Then I'll hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. Meaning this, we can't overlook the genuine things that displeases, that displeases God and focus on the sense of commission, what we should not do. Thinking that he overlooks the sense of omission what we could have and should have done. This is the point. We can't spend the rest of our time here on earth responding to the world around us, trying to stay saved or trying to stay safe. We have to begin to do something right. It's not just about following the rules. It's about following the Holy Spirit. As he produces the ministry of Christ in our lives. This points me to our text. Where Paul says the kingdom of God is not in eating and drinking, but in righteousness, peace and joy. Where? Over in the Holy Spirit. Instead of what the, what the, what the writer was saying was, instead of occupying themselves about outward actions and ceremonial observances and ritual distinctions. Paul encourages the believers here to aspire to those virtues which are the highest importance in the sight of God. That's the same thing God was saying in Isaiah 58. You guys are doing all of the, the practices and the right, the, the religious things, but what about the things that are near and dear to my heart? He says, by liberating those who are oppressed, Addressing the social injustices. Stop the finger pointing. You get a chance to read Isaiah 58. This he says, he says, you guys are fasting. You want to be heard, but, but you're not doing the things that are near and dear to my heart. These are the things that the Holy Spirit will lead you in. See, what is exactly, what exactly is the kingdom of God? Well, it's not outward actions. It's not ceremonial observances. It's not ritual distinctions. According to our text, we do know what it consists of. For the kingdom of God consists of righteousness and peace. Psalms 89 verse 14. This is what it says. It says righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Mercy and truth go before your face. In other words, God's throne is established on righteousness and justice. And mercy and truth remain before him. He's looking for it. The word righteousness here is what is right? What is normal? Rightness. What God measures to be right. Justice is proper and fitting. 
It's the foundation. It's what he sits on. It's what he rests his kingdom on. It says in mercy, kindness of men toward men. In doing favors and benefit, they're ever before him. New Living Translation says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne, and unfailing love and truth walk before you as attendants. So back at our text, Romans 14 and 17, the Good News Translation says, God's kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking, but it's a matter of righteousness, peace, and joy, which the Holy Spirit gives The Holy Spirit serves to usher in the righteousness of God, the peace of God, the joy of the Lord. The word righteous here in this text means properly judicial approval. It's God's approval, what he approves of. Peace means to join, to tie together into a whole or wholeness. It's what God approves of, it's wholeness, and it's joy, meaning the the extended favor where God leans towards those whom he loves. The word righteousness at its most basic earthly level is the result of making right that which is wrong. I want you to think about that. This is what the Holy Spirit looks to usher in. Taking or making right that which is wrong. This is why he's in our life. We could translate justice, right? Or this clarification is necessary because uh, we we tend to see it exclusively as God's righteousness with no relevance for day-to-day situations that we encounter. And certainly his righteousness is the ultimate source, for in it the gospel, uh, the gospel of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, according to Romans 1 and 17. But the righteous man shall live by faith. So it definitely transformed unrighteous sinners into saints or righteous believers. But this is the vertical dimension of righteousness, but there's also a horizontal dimension of righteousness. Paul uses the word, the word righteousness, 34 times in the book of Romans. The first time to explain how it impacts and transforms individuals. But the last use, Romans 14 and 17, is the capstone and a long section on on practical. Down, top, and earth is what they refer to it as. That shows how people made righteous by Christ must connect with, un- with, with the unrighteous world to make righteousness that which is wrong, to, to take that which is crooked and to show what is right. This is what Jesus means when we are to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. This is what the Holy Spirit looks to produce in our life, not just a matter of us not doing the things we used to do, but to also lead us in doing the things that are right in the earth so that when the world looks, they can see the righteousness of God. They can see someone who was once lost. I was sharing this with uh, Pastor Chris and Pastor Danny that that if, if the world is to see What racial reconciliation should look like, they should be able to look at the church. Jesus said this. 
He said that they will know that we belong to him by the love we have for one another. So how can we expect to save a lost world or to be instruments that the Holy Spirit looks to use to bring reconciliation to God when they can't see reconciliation in the church? This is the example. This is what the Holy Spirit looks to produce in our lives. I love it. One of my favorite passages of scripture is this, 1 Corinthians 4 and 20, where, the, where, where Paul says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. We can't just say that we are believers and we, we, we are possessed by the Holy Spirit, meaning the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. And he's brought about a transforming work to save us from our sins, but he cannot convert or change our living so that the ministry of Christ and the life of Christ that's on the inside of us is evident on the outside of us, that the world around us can begin to see the light of God, that we can truly become the preservation of things until our Christ returns. Verse 18 in Romans 14 says this. This is the Good News translation. It says, when you serve Christ in this way, the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy. It's not the external religious practice and things that we do that we think because we've come to church or because we've done communion or because we pray or because we fast that God is just instantly pleased. Like that's not the sum total of what we're called to do. We're called to, 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 to be agents of change in a world that is so desperately in need of it. We're called to be the light. Also in Isaiah, when God addresses all of this in Isaiah 58, he corrects Israel. Israel, and then he goes 59, he talks about their personal sin. And then in Isaiah 60, he says, arise and shine for thy light has come. And he tells us, he tells Israel that you are to be a light in the midst of gross darkness. And I don't know about you, but we are in a time of gross darkness and it needs the light because darkness cannot comprehend it. It cannot put it out. And we need the transforming work of the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. The last thing I want to say, the text says, and when you serve Christ in this way, you please God. This is verse 18. When you serve Christ in this way, you please God and are approved by others. Jesus tells them again in Luke 17 and 20, he says, the kingdom of heaven doesn't come through observations. Here they go again. They were trying to look at the signs and the seasons and the festivals and the times. He says, the kingdom of heaven doesn't come through observation. He says, for the kingdom of heaven is in you. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is in your midst. I like to say it this way. The kingdom of heaven doesn't come with observation. It's not for spectators. It's for participators. This is what the Holy Spirit looks to do. He, he brings a sanctifying work in our life. Through the word of God and through his vessels, when his word is taught, he takes that word, is planted, and he begins to renew our mind.
transforms our heart. Begins to bring about the ministry and the work of Christ in us. But he's not done there. He desires to use us to be the light and to be the salt of the earth. And all of us play a part. Jesus is not saving. He didn't save us just to be spectators, to sit on the sidelines. God looks for us through the ministry of the Holy Spirit to extend his kingdom that is founded on righteousness and justice. He's looking for mercy. He's looking for truth. The title is, What Are We Still Missing? It's not just about following the rules. It's about following Jesus. It's about being the same, living out that example that he set for us. And he's given us his Holy Spirit. He said, I won't leave you comfortless, but I'm going to send you my spirit. And he will take the things that are mine and reveal them unto you. Can we pray? Father, we're here as your children. And as the confession was read, as we worship, Lord, we genuinely give you our lives. And we pray today that well, I pray that something was said that will take root in the heart of your people and that will provoke a response in us to be vessels of light, to be agents and instruments of change, that we, the church, that we get it right. Judgment begins in the house of God. It starts with us. Let us show the world what it means to be one. Let us show the world your heart, your purpose, and your love for them by the love we have for one another. Holy Spirit, lead us in this life-changing work. For greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. So, Father, we thank you. I thank you for the opportunity to share this word with your people. And let us mature up to grow up into you. That we focus now. That we focus on doing that which is right. Because we're led by your Holy Spirit to do so. Father, we love you. And we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.